and welcome to Show Me Your Mic podcast, where I talk to other podcasters about their podcasts. You can find it online at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM or on Twitter at SMYM underscore FM. I record this live on Tuesday mornings in case you're not aware. You can listen live on our site, goodstuff.fm. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and for this episode, I've got Drew Dillman. He's the host of Craft Conscious, a podcast, a video podcast, talking to brewers and people who run craft breweries. And uh, we talk about recording a video podcast that then becomes an audio podcast and his workflow, and I think it'll help you if you're at all interested in getting on YouTube and using video as a platform, which I'm curious about. So enjoy my conversation with Drew. This episode of Show Me Your Mic, I've got uh, Drew Dillman on the show. But before we get into our conversation, I just wanted to let you folks know, if you happen to be in the Los Angeles area, which is sunny, warm, and hot, far away from where I am, so I'm not going to be there, but there's a Good Stuff meetup happening. If you're a listener, sometime guest, or any other sort of fan of the goodstuff.fm podcast network, you're invited to join Kyle Roderick, Tim Smith, two uh, co-owners, I guess we are, I don't know what we are. Uh, of good stuff in LA for a good stuff meetup at now the location is the drip coffee bar which I assume everybody just knows where it is because they didn't give me an address so just the drip coffee bar go there Tuesday February 17th 7 30 p.m there's a link that'll be in the show notes uh, to an event bright event thing event evite that you can uh, let them know that you're coming and uh, it'd be awesome to see you there you can probably pry a sticker or two away from Tim or Kyle if you're so lucky and uh, get to hang out and drink some non-Dunkin' Donuts coffee, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> at the drip, drip coffee bar. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, one other bit of follow-up uh, that I got from Twitter, uh, Shot in Frame, at Shot in Frame, mentioned, asked, uh, who does the intro music for Show Me Your Mic? And um, he, had, uh, he or she, I don't know, I guess, they're starting a new podcast, and uh, they'd binge-listened, he said, to, from episode one of Show Me Your Mic all the way to now. So that's a lot of, uh, well, a lot of me, but a lot of podcast to chat which hopefully it was all good but um the first 10 or so episodes i had some different intro music and then after that 50, episode 15 or so i can't remember when exactly i switched to the current one that you're hearing right now anyways um and it's from this one is from audio jungle i believe so just your generic you know find a loop that kind of works and buy it for 20 bucks and uh throw it in front of the podcast and um i don't know about you but i Drew, you can join me in this conversation, I guess, about mm-hmm. the music. But the either the music you pick is I. It's kind of like picking the name for your podcast. Often, where yeah. you're like, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. You finally land on something like, I guess that's okay. I'll just run with it, and then eventually it grows on you, or you continue to hate it and need to change. But for me, anyways, with this music, I still enjoy listening to it each time I have to edit and whatever. So it's a sign to me that it seemed to work at least for me. But yes, I don't know how. What was your process for? Well, my process, I luckily, a buddy I went to college with who I'm still very good friends with, Carson Ritz, um, does all music for me. He is, I don't know what gene that he got, um, but he can really make any kind of music that I ask him to. I told him, hey, I'm doing a beer podcast slash video cast, and this is kind of the feeling I want. And in half a day, I had it back, and it was utterly perfect. So I am very blessed to have him on hand to do those kind of things for me. And another good example is I was editing, um, cause I do video editing too. I was doing a hunting show and I was like, Hey, I need something that makes you feel like you're in the woods, but really dubstepy. And in half a day I had something I, I couldn't, 
I couldn't fathom how he made that work, but he did. <laughs> I thought it was a ridiculous request, and boom, it was right there. So I've got him at my uh, at my right hip whenever I need uh, something in a pinch, and he's been fantastic to me. So is he? Uh, is this someone you can recommend and link to, or you're kind of yes. keep private and yeah. don't want to let anybody else know? Because well, what he <laughs> does here's how I'll do it. Um, he is a mastering engineer at the Jungle, which is an audio company based out of Chicago. Um, so you can get to him through there, and if you've got any um, audio requests, the jungle would be able to to help you out up there. So I'll give them a shout out. But since I know him personally, he kind of does some stuff on the side for me. Right. Yeah, that's fair enough. Jungleae.com looks like is that sounds right. That sounds just about right. Yeah. Right. So I'll put that link in the show notes as well, so you can hit them up maybe and see if you're wanting something. Dub stepping through the woods. <laughs> <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> I was expecting something across between Skrillex and like um, Peter and the Wolf, right. <laughs> and it, but it came back good, not <laughs> not yeah. as ridiculous as that sounds. <laughs> nice, yeah, very cool. Yeah, so that's that's one of the like audio. That's often I think podcasts or people who are starting podcasts wonder where to get music, and obviously you know yeah. if you have a friend that's awesome, a musician friend. Often, like uh, one other show I did, I approached a local band and just said, "Hey, do you want to?" Like I didn't, I didn't have money to pay them for it, obviously, but it was just one of their songs and they weren't any bigger at the time or whatever. And they were happy to just have people listening to their music. And I just mentioned their name yep. and link and, um, you know, finding people in the similar creative industry as you and getting them involved and letting them use their talents, music creation or whatever. Oh yeah, definitely. Design. And back in my band days, uh, we were approached by Field and Stream, and they wanted our song for an episode and didn't give us any money. And we're like, "Yes, please, please take it." Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's always opportunity for collabor- uh, collaboration like that. Yeah. Okay. So getting to your podcast, the uh, Craft Conscious. Tell me about. Uh, well, tell me about Craft Conscious. I guess first of all, what's what's it all well, about? Well, Craft Conscious, we do mostly video casting, but there's also the podcast too. And what we offer is a connection amongst brewers, um, from brewers to viewers, just an opportunity to engage in the industry in talk for craft beer. It's about the business of beer, not tastings or reviews, but a look behind that curtain. So our interviews give access to you know current trends and announcements straight from the brewers themselves or distributors, sales teams, marketing teams, um, and also the stories that they have to share about living their dreams. Um, Topics such as, you know, branding, marketing, ingredients, and budgeting um, so that we can keep, you know, the minds conscious of the craft and help grow the exciting craft beer industry that is on a, a renaissance currently as uh, validated by Budweiser's attacking <laughs> Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. But no, I, we're, 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 more, we're more concerned about not about t- beer tastings or reviews, but what goes on behind the scenes to get the idea from, you know, the brewer's head to the glass in your hand. Nice. Yeah. I kind of, uh, I mean, everybody, if they weren't aware already, it was, it probably backfired a bit. If they weren't already aware of the whole craft brewing industry, yeah. definitely the sort of uproar afterwards definitely helped sort of re- inform people or remind them to go support a local brewery. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't, I don't even with, I don't have a, any skin in the game, but I, I wasn't like motivated to go drink a Budweiser after hearing about all the, <laughs> the uproar anyway. So have you had somebody on since the, or a few people on to talk sort of about that yeah. just as a reaction from the community? Yeah, actually, actually Hilliard's Beer up in Seattle, I had them on like the day after and I fast tracked their release. Usually there's, you know, a queue of about 20 days, but I put them on the next day just because it was topical to talk about that because right up there in Seattle is also Elysian who was just bought by Budweiser who actually specifically makes the peach beer that they bashed in their commercial, which is a baffling marketing move in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, uh, yeah, it's funny. Just big company, big de- departments that don't consult other departments or something. I don't know. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I mean, you can take it as an attack, but also it's an admission of feeling threatened on Budweiser's part. Why you know you have to kind of go on the attack like that because you can see your market share diminishing. And while there's no single craft brewery threatening Budweiser, the industry as a whole. Last year was the first year it sold more beer than Budweiser did. So I can understand that they feel that pinch and need to um, re-solidify their, their core market um, mm-hmm. rather than try to gain new people because I think they may realize that that's a lost cause. So let's keep the people who are buying Budweiser reminded that Budweiser's out there. Yeah. All right. Well, this isn't a beer commercial either, but or a beer yes. podcast. But uh, <laughs> you can go listen to that episode and probably many others because you got your 122 episodes as of this recording, anyways. In yes, and uh, and you did like you mentioned, you do video and audio. Um, and so is video prime sort of the first focus and audio yeah, second. It's, it's the uh, first iteration of the interview. So what I do is I record the video interviews via Skype um, from around the world. And then about 20 days later, the same episode but in podcast form comes out. It kind of just um, lengthens the amount of time of uh, exposure that the breweries, the breweries or brewery-related companies get um, from Craft Conscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is also a- people who don't have time to sit down and watch a video can you know, get it on the go, which yeah. is the reason podcasts are so successful too. Yeah, which is a neat way of doing it too where the sort of common or maybe first – idea that folks would have is like, well, you just release it all at once so that it's there. But in your case, like having it spread out a bit, like you said, extends the, the period that you're sort of, you're able to talk about that episode, I guess. And then also, yeah, for the brewery itself can sort of help spread their word out a little longer rather than just one sort of big yeah. launch. And and I know that personally, I have missed things on the internet because for one day I went outside. <laughs> <laughs> but and so if you miss that day and you have another chance to run across it, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, heaven forbid you go outside or, or not pay attention to every single thing in your Twitter feed. <laughs> and we're not connected with our phones 24-7. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So recording and setting up the show then, um, I noticed you've got, um, like I said, you know, all the episodes on YouTube, uh, YouTube channel, but then also in iTunes. And uh, has the YouTube and audio versions sort of do they compete do you feel like or is it complementary and some people sort of bounce between the two or have you got any sort of sense of of how the audience sort of listens or watches or prefers to listen (laughs) i've not really gotten a sense of that but it seems that the video interviews um they seem to get the uh, attention that i can follow and kind of track really easily but oddly enough, on Twitter, it's the podcast interviews that get the most Twitter traction. So it's kind of a conflicting message. So I'm taking it as, hey, we're snowballing. And each time it's more and more um, engagement and, and more and more of an audience. Um, so one's not overtaking the other in any way. Um, I'm just trying to keep them different enough to have some episodes that are only podcast, some episodes that are only on video um, to kind of keep the, the two um, media kind of split and separate, but at the same time, complementary. Right. And so do you do, is there, is the video version the same basically as the audio version? There's nothing, do you edit? Yeah, there, there's not, there, there's not much, uh, between editing differently other than, you know, announcing that it's a podcast on the podcast, a different announcer, and then cutting out some of the intros that I do becomes redundant, um, in the podcast. Right. Right. And I noticed watching some of them, you're on the video side, you're, you're obviously just like audio podcasts you're at the mercy of your guests you know sometimes they have yes. just their cheap 
webcam or or and no mic at all maybe and <laughs> yeah. um have you had to do you mentioned you're a video editor is there a much you can do to sort of compensate or is it a similar kind of idea of like just sort of the garbage in garbage out <laughs> and you do with what you can so to speak yeah there's some there's some amount of garbage in garbage out but to kind of reduce it i make sure on my end everything is top notch including um, the video and one way to mitigate the resolution problems you get on Skype if someone has a slow internet connection is if you shrink the uh, the video size because then the um, the the cruddy picture pixels for lack of better terms become less apparent so that's why I do the video side by side rather than cutting back and forth between the two is because then you can kind of hide that lack in quality mm. um, and as far as audio goes um, you know I have a program called Piezo which was not very expensive, but it records directly from Skype. So I, I don't have any problems getting the audio. And generally, most laptops onboard microphones aren't bad. I mean, it's kind of what you'd expect, especially if you're listening to it on a laptop. You're not going to notice that difference in quality. Um, but when you do get over to the podcast, when people are listening on headphones or car radios, that's when you can tell the difference between the two. But I, of course, can't buy a microphone for every guest and send it to them <laughs> or else I would. Yeah. Yeah. No, unfortunately. And, and I noticed, you know, you're, you're the industry that you're in or that you're speaking to, I guess, is the often the, the few I watch anyways, obviously they're in their office or they're in their brewery or whatever mm-hmm. brewing space. And so it's a lot of, you know, metal walls and, or, and uh, cement walls and things. And, you know, obviously not amazing audio, but again, it's kind of like, you can't, you're not going to send them out to a recording studio <laughs> for each yeah. interview. And, and I think the audience at this point is educated enough to know that that's what's happening. I, I don't think it needs much of an explanation yeah. except for maybe my grandmother. <laughs> not she, to throw her under the bus, but she, she watches and listens. Oh yeah. Because I'm her grandson. Of course she does. Nice. And well, I have good. to, and I have to explain to her exactly what I'm doing and remind her exactly what the the point of the show is but she lets me know when i look too jittery or i'm drinking too much coffee <laughs> well it's good to have a, a critic like that out there listening yes. and paying attention. someone who's not afraid to tell me i look foolish right <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's what grandmas are for i guess yes um i noticed uh in the in the show in the har- archives anyways i was kind of just you know cherry picking random episodes it looked like someone else used to host the show a while ago and this yes. maybe another similarity with uh, you and nathan when he was on the show it, sort of looks like somebody you transitioning of hosts and stuff. And so talk a bit about how that happened and what's, what sort of motivated you to want to jump into this. Yeah. Uh, well, Steve, uh, young, the guy who used to host the show and I go, I don't want to say way back, but back farther than craft conscious when he used to work in an architecture firm and I was kind of contracted with them for videos. So that's how we got in touch. And then he decided to start craft conscious as like a, like a side thing that he was doing. And in doing so, um, he discovered another need for the beer industry. So he needed to leave craft conscious behind. Um, I'll do a little plug for him. I mean, what he discovered was the cynic system and that's launching in the spring. It's like the Keurig for beer. And you pro- may have heard it on the, on the radio or on the news. It's making the rounds and media and everything. Um, so he needed someone to take over craft conscious. And since I was editing for him, he asked me, Hey, do you know anyone who likes to be in front of a camera? And good old uh, attention grabber me raised my hand and said, yes, I, I me, <laughs> choose me. And he goes, okay, well, let's talk on the phone and make sure this is a good fit for you. So I was able to go from working, you know, three jobs, being FedEx, contracting with Steve and all other video work to working three jobs. It just takes FedEx out and puts craft conscious in, and then I'm doing video work and other things on the side again as well. Um, but all in what I went to college for what related and media production. Nice. 
Yeah, it's awesome. And yeah, and the show definitely looks good. Like as far like we talked about earlier, obviously you're at the mercy of your guest and all that kind of stuff. But the what you're doing with what the elements that you can control certainly looks great. And we'll touch. We'll get well, into some you. of your hardware and stuff in a second. Um, but uh, so you mentioned obviously you're, you're, you said you're making at least some money from this and and supporting your your livelihood with it a bit. What mm-hmm. what efforts are you doing making to to do that? How are you? Um, this, uh, we're really on a runway right now still. And what, what it has been for the last October is when I came on. So since then it's been all about getting the content down, getting the structure down, getting the website up and just really getting a routine rolling. And now that I've got a nice buffer, I really feel like I can kind of turn my brain off and be able to do most of the things because I'm so routine in them. It's time for strategy and monetization at this point, which is what we're really focusing on right now. Hmm, interesting. And do you have plans, or maybe you don't want to talk about it yet, you don't have to, but uh, any plans as far as what you'd like to do or thoughts about how you're hoping to do some of that? Oh, yeah, definitely some sponsorships, some affiliate links, but also I'm doing some in-person interviews with some breweries. Um, I'll give the shout out to Christian Moorline here in Cincinnati, one of the oldest beer brands in the city that dates way back into the 1800s. Um, they were the first to start back up after prohibition and then even after the uh the whole macro beer era and i went in and talked to their um you know general manager mike wayne and i'm doing an in-person interview i already interviewed him in there i got you know it was great i got to take in all my lights all my hardware all my good stuff all the stuff i learned from schooling and really create an amazing interview even took me down into the old loggering tunnels 60 feet under the city so that kind of content is what i'm hoping to create and any brewery i would think would love to have something that beautiful and that um well-made for their own website for their own purposes. And I'm hoping to kind of eventually get some money from that as well, do like a traveling tours um, and, and give brewers the opportunity to do it in person and have like a Barbara Walter style interview for lack of better terms. Nice. Right. That's, that's very cool. And, and sort of transitioning your, obviously your, your marketability and, and the exposure they would get there to, to a bit of work for yourself, which is a great way yes. to go about it. That's awesome. The, uh, I noticed on the site you've got a VIP member page. Is that something that's also in the works or is, is part yes, of that? The, the VIP member page is already just saying, Hey, if, if you hand me your email, here's all these old 50 plus old interviews that you have access to watch. So, um, but I mean, it doesn't cost anything to anyone. It's just so that I can send out oh, newsletters okay. and keep people updated. Yeah. But I'm also working on strategies to turn that into, um, different levels of, you know, of, payment and membership um, to have access to live interviews that we're hoping to do, kind of like what you're doing here with the live streaming, but with up to 10 brewers simultaneously mm-hmm. and a live Q&A with anyone who wants to hop on and ask their brewers questions, whether they be a home brewer asking a scientific or chemistry question or a fan saying, hey, when's this next ale coming out? Uh, when's the next party? That kind of thing. Nice. And is it, uh, as far as guests that you've talked with and stuff, is it primarily sort of U.S., North American focused at this yes. Point? Yes. At this point, it is. Yeah. I've got. I'm in the works with um, Black Forest in the UK. We've had some Canadians on the show. Nice. Uh, a <laughs> uh, <laughs> shout out for you there. Um, also, one brewer from Brazil has been on the show. Um, so as everything's snowballing, it's a lot easier for me to get people to come on board because they look at the website, they see the amount that we've done, and it's kind of like, oh, this isn't just Joe Schmo trying to get his uh, you know, fix in his garage. Right. This, is, this is somebody trying to really do something great with the industry, and he'll appreciate what I have to say. Yeah, and I think to your credit and and maybe for other folks to look to that as inspiration is and motivation is the the time it, you've clearly spent on you know 
the site itself and then also just presenting each of their companies and their brands well, like the the uh, thumbnails and stuff for each interview. Do a great job of showing off the the logo and the branding mm -hmm. of, a, Thank you. Of, of the brewer that you're talking with. And I think oftentimes people maybe don't view that as a as important a uh, thing to do, even with, with an audio podcast where you know, you, you're hoping to in, attract high-profile guests maybe and you need to sort of show that you're going to take care of them when they're on your show and beyond, obviously, in terms of how the, they're marketed and presented. And so, um, but yeah, looks looks great and the site looks great. And the, like I said, videos, I'm jealous of the video. It looks awesome as far as <laughs> what you've done. And that's something that I know we've we've sort of gone on and off again as far as with good stuff here. We're primarily, well, only audio really, and but video is always kind of like this mystical land that we'd like to explore and and uh, mess around it's a, with, so. it's a beautiful place <laughs> so you don't do uh right now you said you're not doing anything live as far as like youtube hangouts and, and uh, whatever all that kind of stuff Co yeah, correct yeah that's um a strategy that we're looking at um implementing and kind of exploring what all can be done um and we'll i'm sure we'll wing it before we have it all figured out because sometimes that's the best way to do it the best way to get feedback on what you're doing wrong or right is to actually do it and then have someone tell you. Yeah. You can, you can do as much planning as you want, but in the end you're going to make mistakes. So might as well make them without, you know, pulling your hair out tr trying to figure out how not to make them. Right. And it kind of like, I mean, with speaking with video, for example, with the platform of YouTube being what it is, it's pretty easy to test the waters with, um, say live stuff or whatever, before you go about setting up a yeah. whole big membership system and, you know, contracting Vimeo or whatever, something to exactly. paying a bunch of money to set up something that only five people have time to tune in for or something <laughs> <laughs> as the case may be. So um, I'm just going to take a quick break for speaking of uh, sponsors and money to thank our first sponsor for this episode, which is uh, Campaign Monitor. Sending email doesn't need to be a chore. Campaign Monitor makes it fun, easy, and beautiful. If you need to send an email campaign in a hurry, you can try your hand at their template builder and have a responsive email template ready in 60 seconds. With their geolocation segments, you can send in even more personalized emails to your subscribers, depending on where they are in the world. Uh, I use it with Good Stuff here. We set up, uh, obviously, we have our master newsletter list that we use. If you sign up at goodstuff.fm slash newsletter, you can get details and updates on shows and, and things that we've, sent, we've uh, published here at the podcast network and fun even support for animated GIFs and stuff like that. So it's, it works really great. Stats are awesome. I You can check them on your iOS device of choice uh, with their app called Monitor and uh, see subscriptions and unsubscribes. If uh, you, you know you've sent out a bad newsletter, um, you can see the unsubscribes as people leave. But uh, the good news is, yeah, you can see signups and new people get notified every time someone signs up or shares your newsletter or, or looks at it and, and things like that. So... Uh, Visit CampaignMonitor.com today to get started sending beautiful emails. Thanks to them for supporting good stuff and showing me your mic. Um, so the yes, the gear that you're recording with um, and starting, I guess, primarily, like you said, with video. So what uh, what do you use on your end to record and, and what's sort of your workflow for getting that set up? All right. Well, my, my workflow is a little bit different than what it used to be for, for the show. It used to be more based on a program that records straight from Skype. And we always used to run into troubles when I was editing. Um, it's just with the different bandwidths going, the audio rate and the video rate would not be the same. And I'd have to go in and, and literally chop up every 10 seconds and stretch and, and conform everything. And it, of course, that just drains hours. So I was like, okay, everything needs to be recorded separately here. 
So what I do to record Skype, and, and this might sound you know, as basic as possible, but I literally full screen Skype and then use QuickTime on my Mac to do a screen capture. And right there is my 1080p video for the Skype interviews. Right. Um, for my end, I've got a Canon 5D Mark II, um, which is a great DSLR that has an awesome video function. Um, I get that rolling um, on a shelf right above the computer and uh, have that record me. Um, to make the video look the way it does, I've got you know, a speed, airy speed light kit um, around me. My background's back there. That's important for video. Otherwise, it would just be my house. I had to build, go to Home Depot, buy some brick paneling and build a little uh, foldable, movable background that I can take with me. So it sits up in my office most of the time, wait, but can, wait, wait. can move if it needs to. Foldable brick or what? Maybe yeah, it's, it's, they're like brick panelings that you would buy, kind of like wood paneling to put on top of drywall. Oh, okay, gotcha, sorry. Yeah. So it's really thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, I just kind of use some uh, two-by-twos to build a frame for it, and then it folds with a hinge in the middle, so I can take gotcha. it places. And that was, that was a fun project. But you got to have something back there. Which, again, um, that's where like the it, it looks natural. It looks uh, professional on the video again, and... And, but it isn't doesn't take a whole lot to do. Um, I'm sure you know. Not that it's not complicated to set up initially, but again, it just helps rather than just being like your basement office back wall kind of thing, which is what it would be right now if I was recording video. <laughs> it just sets. It looks professional. It looks like mm-hmm. sets yeah. a little bit of a tone. Yeah. Um. So the background's important. Uh, the lighting. If you're going to do video, definitely you want you want it to look good because if there's, I mean, YouTube, anyone can use a webcam and put it out there and then your content just, you know, falls into that, that fog and looks like everyone else's. So I use what I went to school for to kind of set up lights in here. And then for audio, I record, you know, whatever's coming through the Skype call on that program I was talking about before. And I guess it's pronounced P-S-O, P-I-E-Z-O. It'll record the Skype call. But then I also record separately my audio um, with a um, Rode NTG2 shotgun mic, which is more for video recording because you're able to, you know, aim it. It's very directional from a distance and, and really pick up the audio in, in that portion. So that can sit off screen a little bit. I don't have to talk right up into it. And it gets my audio. So what that ends up doing for me then is I have all these disparate parts. I have two videos. I've got two streams of audio. And I use Final Cut Pro to put them all together. Um, and then, of course, only use the right channel out of the Skype recording, so it's only the guest. And then you can't hear the guest on the on the video um, feed. So then I use that audio from the video that I took um, for mine, so that suddenly you have separate. So if I have to increase the volume on one, it doesn't affect the other. And that would be if you're if you're going to do video. That's my biggest piece of advice. And what I learned from film school is take everything as separately as possible because you can put it together and then have more control over each piece later right and so then because you're not locked to uh the common sort of often what happens when you start doing that separating them out is at least in my limited experiences sometimes your audio gets out of sync like if you just rely on the <laughs> skype call let's say for the video but then record yeah. your audio separately that's like you said it gets out of sync and then you're just spending hours matching all up so your your audio and video is just its own little compartment and your guest audio and video is its own little compartment and then you can sort of chop the two up if you need to and if you're off yeah, and then I can edit them. Can <laughs> exactly, I can edit them independently. Yeah, um, which is the big advantage and helps hide a lot of mistakes that are made. Yeah, can you uh, the lighting that you're using? What did you recommend 
uh, as far as starting with, if somebody started getting into this idea of, and they don't want to spend thousands of dollars on just lighting or whatever, just to, you know, getting a camera obviously is expensive yeah. and lighting is often the thing that probably gets left and assumed that, you know, whatever the overhead light is good enough. What's, what's sort of a great starter kit for somebody looking to do some YouTube videos maybe that... I would say go on to um, B&H Photo and Video. I mean, they're a really professional uh, site, and they really supply a lot of things. And you can get some even still photography um, quick light kits and for maybe about $400, $500. And then what they have on them is they have the soft light lamps that let you see what you're going to be flashing. And if you just don't use the flash, for most modern cameras, it's still going to be enough light. And then you're, it's, it's cheaper. And then if you ever decide to take still photography for, every, for whatever reason, you've got the flash. And that's what I started off with. And what that led me to be able to do is take my own professional photos um, for promotions and stuff. So it kind of served a dual purpose. Any, anytime I can find something that could also serve another purpose, I find a hard time talking myself out of it. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to use it later for yeah. something else as well. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, cause yeah, it's, it is a little, on the audio side, it's a little harder to lug around a mixer or whatever, but a camera kit that yeah. you want to, <laughs> can reuse for, <laughs> for professional photography or whatever for clients and things like that. Definitely uh, a little more practical and usable. Um, and then are you, you're hosting, obviously the video obviously goes, goes to YouTube and that's what you're embedding mm-hmm. in your, your site. And then as far as the audio, what, what are you using to, uh, when you edit the audio down, you're, are you just taking that audio from final cut and using a final cut or do you use something else to edit audio specifically? Um, I, I take the, um, final cut edit of the video and drop it into a droplet that converts it to an MP3. And then once I have that MP3, I take it into Adobe sound booth and, and chop it up from there. And I've got my own recorded other recorded, uh, music and podcast introductions. Uh, I had a, an actress friend who recorded some stuff for me and that way I can chop it up a little bit, make it different enough that it doesn't just sound like a video being thrown into a podcast and just re-release that it actually sounds like a podcast as well, but it's just the same content from the video. Right. What kind of things are you, I'm, I'm curious, what kind of things would you be editing out, I guess, to make it more audio appropriate? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do an introduction on my show, um, with the music underneath that kind of just gives you a preview of what the episode is going to be about. Um, I take that out for the podcast. Um, Right. Because with podcasts, people are already committing to sit down and listen. Video, you have to grab someone's attention right off the bat to keep them there. Um, Because usually when I'm in a computer and a video comes up, I give it a few seconds to decide whether I'm going to keep watching. With a podcast, you kind of start committing just by downloading and pressing play. Um, So I found if I I take that out, I can, you know, shorten the interview itself, not be as redundant. Um, Because if I'm announcing what the podcast is and then again announcing what the show is – a second time, then it starts to feel not put together well. So I take that part out and just go straight into the interview after that introduction. Right. Nice. And then, but as far as content of the show itself, the rest of the interview more or less would be more. Or less oh yeah. It's, it's exactly the same. I, I, I copy the same show notes page over to the, um, the RSS feed. So any kind anything that we're talking about that might be in the show notes page is still going to be there um, to, to keep that experience for the, the viewer the same as well. So I, I don't really change anything about the content. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the going back to stats and sort of listenability and stuff. And for folks who've never played with YouTube, and I know I've, I've touched on it before in previous episodes, but um, coming from the world of podcasting, audio podcasting, and using YouTube as a platform, the stats, as you might expect from a company like Google, uh, the stats and analytics you can get on your videos is both 
uh, enlightening and depressing because you, <laughs> you can tell if you can see, okay, this many people dropped off after two minutes. And whereas a podcast, most stats, and I've talked with other podcasters at other networks and stuff, other uh, people running networks and stuff is, you know, we we're at the mercy of either it's a listen or it's not. And that's kind of all it is. We don't even know or download. Um, they may not have ever actually listened to the episode. They may not have ever listened beyond two minutes. We don't really know um, as far as stats. But yeah, with YouTube, you get pretty much anything you want to know almost about your your video and, and the people watching. And uh, and it, has it helped you, I guess, as far as do you... I, I, I sometimes find myself sort of looking at it and then it doesn't ever really sink in as far as practically taking that back to my actual editing and production of the show, which is kind of interesting. Have you used those stats to sort of... Yeah, 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 certainly. Um, I'll try new things. What I'll do is I'll watch like content from other producers. And if they do something that I think is cool, I'll try it. And then see on that episode, how did that episode do after I tried that new thing? If it didn't really change, I'll go back to the way. But if something struck a chord and it was more popular, I'll, hey, I got to keep doing that. And it's constantly evolving. If you if you were to sit down and spend the hours upon hours it would take to watch all the interviews that we've done, you would kind of see an evolution even week to week of things changing um, because I see someone else do something that I think is cool and then I'll try it and just see what the response is. I mean, I am not afraid to change the formula because I want to see if it works better or, or, or not. And just And if I think someone else is doing something cool, I want to do it too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like, hey, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, um, the last thing I want to talk to you about is uh, just getting some of the podcasts that you listen to and apps that you happen to listen to on. But uh, before we do that, so I'll give you a chance to maybe go grab your podcast player or app of choice, get it fired up. Or <laughs> Oh, it's funny. I've got it right here because I was listening to it while I was working. There you go. <laughs> but uh, before I do that, I just want to thank our second sponsor for this episode, which is A Small Orange. A Small Orange has a simple vision, perfecting hosting while maintaining a homegrown feel with a focus on people, their customers, their employees, and their community. A small orange isn't like those big hosting conglomerates. They don't promise unlimited plans that are actually hindered by hidden limitations. Instead, you're only responsible for paying for the resources you need. Whether you're just starting your own blog or you're running a powerful e-commerce site, they have a plan for you. Before I could recommend them, I want to try them out, so I recorded a screencast myself setting up a, an account, installing WordPress, writing up a blog post, and sort of just getting from you know nothing to a domain and everything set up, which you can check out that YouTube link at uh, in the show notes at goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 71. That's this show in the sponsor section there, and also a link to sign up for a small orange, uh, which if you do so, supports this show and uh, what I do here at Good Stuff. So um, yeah, the, the podcast that you listen to, what are some of the shows that you, five to 10, whatever, however many you feel like. Mentioned? Yeah, yeah. Well, as I'm sure almost every podcaster or videocaster, I listen to Entrepreneur on Fire, of course, um, kind of got me into wanting to do those kinds of things and being interested in it um, and, you know, taking, you know, control of, of your life as an entrepreneur. Um, Startup by Gimlet, I found absolutely fascinating. And listen to that all the way through. Plus, Reply All, which is their first show that they've they've put out with that. Um, because I like to learn and never like, I, I hate not learning. Every day I listen to Freakonomics Radio. I've got um, the Stuff You Should Know podcast. A lot of NPR podcasts, uh, debates, and, and and that sort of thing. Just so I can keep my uh, keep learning, even if it's nothing to do with what I'm doing professionally. I, that's the kind of content I enjoy if I can learn something new. Nice. 
Any others do you want to mention? That's fine. Uh, yeah, I can, I can mention some of the specific ones. I mean, I got Intelligence Squared, which great debates, bringing Oxford-style debates to American soil. I love that. NPR story of the day. I like most – like. A, the largest uh, podcast that had ever been released, Serial. Um, I listened to that and I can't wait for the next season. And I actually saw that there, uh, the appeal was granted for that gentleman who was uh, in prison. Um, yeah, that just convicted, came which I, ago. Which I thought was very interesting. But that was really well done. And of course, you know, listening to all of the people who have done this for a while, and even in radio and NPR, it's, it's really, it, it's an experience to kind of, see how they do it and see what tactics they use and how they tell their stories. And that of course can translate to, into anything that I'm doing. Um, show me your mic. I downloaded yours when uh, I had the, uh, um, the introduction from Nathan, listened to, listened to his podcast. And um, now that I know that it's live streaming, heck I'm going to turn that on every time I can. <laughs> nice. And then the, uh, the 10 year old boy in me still listens to the IGN video game podcasts. Um, because I can't stop playing video games. That's what I like to do in free time. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I just, I had, uh, uh, this has nothing to do with the show, but I had uh, 20 minutes last night to spare or spend, and I was like, I'd try out this, that Destiny game. I don't know if you've played that. I, I, I used to play like Halo and stuff back in the day. I haven't played one. But I felt like this old dude was like wandering around. I, I jumped around for 20 minutes, shot some things, <laughs> had no idea what I was supposed to do. I felt like I'm out of touch. I need to, I should probably go listen to some more audio podcasts on video games so I can figure out what I'm doing. But <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what apps do you listen to, uh, on your podcasts with these days? Um, on my windows phone, I use the windows phone podcast app, which is really, it, it's buggy in a lot of ways. Um, so I've recommissioned my old iPhone into a podcast machine and I just use the iTunes on there. Of course I can't download them on the go, but if I'm at home, I just let everything download on my Wi-Fi, and then I can take it with me. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Is there much in the way of third party podcast apps on windows phone? I would assume not yet, but there are some, um, surprisingly Stitcher doesn't have one, but there's one called the podcast source, which seems to work a little better than the windows podcast. And I hate to throw Windows under the bus for this, but to get your podcast on the Windows Phone store, you actually have to email an, a person. Right. It's, it's not like a regular old submission. You literally email this guy and just copy and paste your RS, RSS feed into the email, and then a week later he emailed me like, okay, your show's up. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's how this works? I didn't think it was real because that's what I Google search. How do I get my podcast on the Windows Phone? Because I want to listen to myself on my own phone. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, literally the responses were, oh, you just email this guy, and it's like George at blah, 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 something Windows. And I'm like, what? I tried it, and it worked. <laughs> Well, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's. I would imagine there's. Obviously, it's not that big of a market yet, but uh, it's. I guess it's commendable that they're doing it. First of all, I mean, they see that there's a need for that, obviously, and mm-hmm. a need to have some sort of listing to provide for folks because they'll kind of expect it if they've come from a Android or or iPhone or whatever. But uh, but yeah, poor George or whatever his name is that has to, deal <laughs> has to get all those emails. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, at some point they automate that. I guess. But cool. All right. Um, and uh, where can folks find you and follow you and stuff if they want to Yes, more? absolutely. Well, the website craft-conscious.com is where you can see all the video interviews and actually get the links to everything else. Our Facebook, our Twitter, craft underscore conscious is our Twitter handle. Craft Conscious One, because someone took it already. That has nothing to do with anything on Facebook. <laughs> um, 
and you can also uh, email me, Drew, at craft-conscious.com. I'll answer anything you have. There's also, you know, a contact form on the website. Please head over there and send me anything, whether it be feedback, whether you know a brewer or a home brewer and want to come on the show. I'm open up to interviewing anyone related to craft beer in any way, even people who roast coffee for the coffee porters. I That's the part of the industry I like to um, explore. So please come check everything out. It's really cool. You'll probably find someone close to you and you'll have had the brews before. Just listen to what they have to say. It's really cool to get to know them as people. And then you feel a, a greater connection to the beer. Yeah. And that's, I was going to say, if you, uh, it's a great way to f- hear more about something that maybe both support your local brewery and then also hear more of their story. Maybe they wouldn't get necessarily just by buying their beer, obviously at the store or whatever. But, uh, and, and certainly there'd be, I know as somebody who looks for guests on their show, in my case, uh, and I'm assuming for you, it's, it's always great to have people come to you because it just saves, <laughs> saves you having to go find them. <laughs> and, Plus, uh, and you get people who are really passionate about sharing something because yeah. the interviews I've done where people have reached out to me, they have had so much to give. Um, and, and you just, you just can't, you can't replicate that by cold emails. Yeah. And so if you're interested in, as a podcaster, uh, not a brewery necessarily, but a podcaster that want to, you want to come on this show, you can visit goodstuff.appointlet.com. And that's, uh, there's a link in the show notes again that you can, if you forget what that is, you can find it at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM. Um, and book in to be on this show in, in the future. And I typically record Tuesday mornings and we stream live, like I said, um, Tuesday mornings and, uh, but uh, I'm flexible if, if need be. There's people I've communicated with in Australia and things like that around the world. Obviously, you don't, I don't want you to be up at 2 in the morning just so I don't have to record something in the evening or whatever. We can definitely make arrangements. So, um, But my thanks to Drew for stopping by. Um, my thanks also to Campaign Monitor and A Small Orange for supporting good stuff and Show Me Your Mic. If you'd like to support Show Me Your Mic and my podcasting efforts a little more directly, you can do so on my Patreon, patreon.com slash iChris is where you can find details on that. And uh, I'm iChris on Twitter. Show me your mic has a Twitter account, SMYM underscore FM. Uh, please remember to uh, RSVP to the Good Stuff Meetup in LA if you plan to be there um, in uh, a week's time. And uh, my thanks to list to you. <laughs> Let's try it again. My thanks to you for listening. And have a great day. Bye. <laughs>